Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning to everyone. I'm humbled. I'm, I'm humbled and honored to be here. I've had an opportunity, as I've said in the first service, to speak in a lot of different situations around the country. I served for 15 years with Dr. Billy Graham. And if you're over 50, you know who that is. And if you're under 50, you have to have really great parents to know who that is. But I spoke in a lot of different situations, a lot of different churches, a lot of different uh, venues, uh, a lot of unique situations. The most unique was speaking to the Buffalo Bills football team on a Sunday morning before a game. And they were really focused (laughs) and not on me. They were going to battle. I've never seen anything like it. But I've, I've had an opportunity to do a lot of things because of that. But it's always a challenge to speak where you're from. And especially to speak in your home church. You know, people just say, well, that's the guy that sits over there. What's he doing? <laughs> Pastor's right there. He could get up. <laughs> Why is this guy preaching? <laughs> so, but it's, it's, uh, it's humbling and it's an honor. And what Pastor didn't warn me about was during the week, as I was preparing this week, that the Lord would wake me up early every morning. That wasn't in any of the information (laughs) that he gave me. And so this morning in particular, uh, I got the call about 2 o'clock, and I'm not a morning person at all. And usually I can just, I just roll over. I just keep going. But he put a word in my mind that I couldn't get away from. And it was the word honor. It's not in the notes. <laughs> so this is all free. We will probably go long, but this is all free. <laughs> and he just said, honor my people. Honor my people. And I said, that, I, yeah, I can, yeah, got it. I can do that. You have a great team here great staff, great people that you see, and a lot of great people that you don't see, and we honor them. We have pastors, Kevin and Amy in Mount Carmel, and we honor them, and I know they honor them in Mount Carmel. Pastors BJ and Ashley in in Carlinville, and we honor them today, and of course, Pastor Chad and Dawn, but he said, no, go further back than that. And, and he took me all the way back to the beginning. And maybe some of you can remember those days or you've heard about those days when it was just a handful of people that God had called from different churches that were wanting more. They were just wanting more. They didn't even probably even know exactly, but they knew they wanted something more. And they started this church over 40 years ago, that small Body And they began to believe and they began to pray and they began to meet together. Kind of looks like Carlinville probably. Not knowing what it would become, I'm sure. Not knowing that there would be a campus in Mount Carmel or a campus in Carlinville. But in case you haven't noticed, currently here and in those other campuses, there's a move of God. 
I hope you've noticed that. I hope you know something's different. I hope you notice that as we seek the face of God, as we desire his presence, as we are no longer satisfied with just coming to church and singing a few songs and doing what we normally do in church and going home. You see, we serve a living God. And if he's a living God, then he can affect things. He can change our lives. He can work in our lives. And as he comes, we've seen it historically with revivals. When God comes and God moves in, things happen. It's not just a normal service. And we're not willing to accept a normal service ever again. Not any Sunday. Not any Sunday. We desire the presence of Jesus Christ to come and abide, to stay here. Well, people will say God is there because it's happened historically. It can happen again. It can happen here. And that's what we're believing for. And the reason I believe while there's a move of God happening here right now is because of the faithfulness of a few 40 years ago that began to pray, that began to believe, that were faithful, that were faithful to what God was calling them to do. And then there were more people added and more people came and they were praying and they were believing and they were faithful. And we are riding on the waves of those prayers. And we have to believe not just for, say, a new building in Carlinville, though that's important, or more people to come to Mount Carmel, though that would be great. We're going to believe for generations. And that our prayers today, our prayers will impact generations from now in this area and in Mount Carmel and in Carlinville and wherever God calls us to be. Amen? So we honor, we honor all of those who have come before, many who aren't even with us any longer. And we're benefiting from their faithfulness and their prayers. So let me say this. I didn't say it in the first service. I beg you to come to our prayer times. There is nothing more important that we can do than to meet right here corporately. But Steve, I can do it at home. Yes, please do it at home. But once a week, come here. I'm begging you. There will be a direct correlation between the number of people here and the number of people that will be touched in our area. What is happening is because of the sacrifice of some that are meeting, some every day, some once a week that are coming corporately. And yes, we need to do it corporately. There is something about meeting here corporately. I beg you to come, whether it's Monday night, Saturday night, or sometime during the morning. Please come. I'm begging. And the same in Mount Carmel, the same in Carlinville. My life has been changed because I've put myself in a position to hear from God and to desire what He wants, not just for me, though it is for me, I'm selfish, but it's also for my family.
I pray, I pray, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'll pray for every child of mine and every grandchild, and I'll never stop. I won't stop. I won't stop. I'll keep praying that prayer. I won't stop. And if we desire for the presence of Jesus to come and to abide and do what only he can do, I can do nothing. Pastor can do nothing. It's only the cross of Jesus Christ. Galatians 6.14, Billy Graham's favorite verse. I will only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Billy Graham, he could have boasted. He said, I will only boast. He hated it when he saw his name on a billboard. He was just wanting to lift up Jesus. He would only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we desire you above everything. Father, we know as you walk into the room, you change everything. And so I listen to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to Luke 22. Thank you. Didn't lead into that well. Sorry. Luke 22. The context of this verse is the Last Supper. And, and just FYI, I, I don't cry. <laughs> Lord, help me. Yeah, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Mm. Luke 22. The context... And, and, and yes, I know it's Christmas time. This is not a Christmas context passage. <laughs> it's the Last Supper, all right? It's kind of the opposite of Christmas message. This is known as the Passion Week in the life of Christ leading up to the crucifixion. And so... They're at the Last Supper, the 12 disciples in Luke 22. And Jesus has just said to Peter, the verse before this, in verse 34, that before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And then this verse, and I, and I swear they just inserted it in. I think it's new. I don't remember reading it before or seeing it before. I think it's an addition. So verse 35, then Jesus asked them, 
When I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. So, a simple question from Jesus. And when you read the Gospels, you're going to notice he asks a lot of questions. And when you see a question from Jesus in the Gospels, take note, underline it, highlight it, circle it, do something, remember it. It's significant. And so here he is in this context relating back to something that had already happened. And he's saying, He's just told Peter, you're going to disown me. Remember that. It's the Last Supper. He's going to be arrested later. He'll be crucified the next day. That's the context. Okay? And he says, do you, do you guys remember when I sent you out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told you not to take anything for that walking tour you're going to be on? A little hike around the area? Did you lack anything? No, nothing. Another way to ask this question is, was there anything you were depending on other than me? Was there something else? Could you trust when I sent you? Did you believe after being with me for a while that I would see you through that tour? And he asks the same question of us today, doesn't he? Do you lack anything? And I'm talking to the church now. Do you, he has sent us, do you lack anything? Or is Jesus enough? And that's the title of the message. Is Jesus enough? That's a simple question. But there's a lot to it because just like the disciples, is there anything else that you're depending on today? Is there something else that if, that if they put a choice before you of Jesus and this other thing, what would you choose? And the thing you might be depending on is probably like a job, right? a bank account, a home, things that we need. Guess who knows you need them? Guess who knows you need them more than you do? Guess who is able to provide them for you regardless of what happens? But what are you depending on today? And is Jesus really enough? Turn quickly to Luke 9. Because I'm going to get through all of this message today. I got through about half the first service. And I'm going to get through it. Luke 9. This is the story. This is the story that Jesus is referring to. Luke 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority 
two good words, power and authority. You'll read those about those later in Scripture. I'm not preaching on that today. Good stuff. To drive out all. When you see a word like all or everything in the Scripture, you know, some Scripture kind of goes, I don't know if I understand that. When I see a word like all or everything, I get it. Circle it. Underline it. It's important to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out, Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet. Don't let the offense of them saying no be carried on to the next city. Leave the offense in that city. They've just said no. Move on. It's okay. Shake off the offense. Stop it. Don't take it. Move on. As a testimony against them, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So, a couple things here quickly. Jesus is still with them. So, the main guy is sending them out. So, it's not like the main guy has to do it all. It's not like there's one or two people that have to do it all. Amen? I got amen from Pastors Lewis and Mona and Pastors Chad and Don. <laughs> Jesus is still with them. It was not unusual in Jewish culture for the Jewish rabbi, the teacher, to send them out. That part was not unusual. That was normal. The unusual part was the power and the authority part. That was unusual. The message part, all of the casting out and the deliverance and the healing... And the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom they were looking for, the Jewish people, was not the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. But this was the message. That part was unusual. And then when he said, oh, and by the way, take nothing with you. Just leave all that home. Take off walking. Good luck. But they had seen Jesus do all these things. You see, they had been with him Mark 3.14 says that when Jesus called the 12 to be his disciples, he called them to be with him. You see, Jesus didn't call them, say a little prayer over them, and then he goes, and then good luck. No, 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 no. They're with him. They're walking. They're talking. They're camping. They're eating. They are with him. They're watching him do it all. Pretty good example, isn't it? So they're ready. But now he's finally saying, it's time to go, and I want you to only be dependent upon me. Travel light, that's really light, and be dependent upon me. Now turn to Luke 10 real quick. Luke 10. You're seeing a very similar story the next chapter. Luke 10, verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Some translations say 70. The NIV says 72. The first service I went with 70. 
This time I'll go with 72. And <laughs> sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Something I forgot to pull out in the first service that, that anyway, I forgot. I'm, you're getting it, so. So there was the 12, and you're like, yeah, the 12 should go. They're the disciples. They're important. Have you studied about this group of disciples? Do you know who they were? That was a ragtag bunch. It wasn't like, wow, that's a really sharp group of people. Oh, no, no, no. This is a really kind of goofy group. It'd be like going to Carmine, just pulling out 12 guys and go, whoop, go. You're going to be looking around going, not that guy. I mean, this is, these are just ordinary guys, the 12. All right? But they had been with Jesus. That's really important. You know our vision statement, connecting people? <laughs> Pastor, let them just answer it, please. <laughs> connecting people with Jesus from all roads of life. That with Jesus is really important, really important. So he's sending out the 70. So here's the 12. Yeah, I expect them to go. They're important. They're doing their thing. But now he's got, what? what? So there was the 12, and they were with him. And even within the 12, there were three, Peter, James, and John. But then there were others, and the 70, and even others that would come and go and follow, but they were considered disciples. And so here's this larger group. And two things about that. One I didn't mention that's really important. And that was he sent them out two by two. In other gospels about when he sent out the disciples, it says that he sent them out two by two as well. More than likely the disciples, when he sent them, went out two by two. It, for sure the 70 he sends out two by two. We have gotten into a habit in the Western church of doing ministry alone. That is not the example from Scripture. We have got to learn, all of us, to do ministry together. There's someone that we can be learning from, and there's someone that can be learning from us. But whenever you're doing ministry, there should be someone there. It's accountability. It's training where we're learning or someone else is learning and we have to stop doing ministry alone. But you notice the number. It was bigger, 12 and now 70. Guess who now is on the hook? We could have said, well, the 12, yes, but now he's opened it up to the 70. That's all of us. Steve, but you don't know, I'm really not that talkative. I can't really, I'm not that kind of person. It's just not for me. As a follower of Jesus, and that is the invitation, isn't it? Come, follow me. A follower, a movement. Does anyone remember what the prop was last week that Pastor used? Oh, thank you. <laughs> a flashlight. Yeah, we use props for a reason. This might make an appearance, it might not, but there it is. My walking stick. But the pastor had a flashlight. Why? Because Jesus said, what about himself in John? He said, I am the light of the world. And so if we're following Jesus and he is the light, 
and he is the good shepherd, it's a following relationship. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're watching what Jesus does and we're doing ministry together, we're all going to do it. I had a vision some time ago, and I don't even have visions very often either, of ministry happening all over this church, not just right up here. People laying hands, praying for, touching, back, everywhere. Ministry happening because Jesus is moving and he's using us. Amen? So we're seeing that with this group, the 70 going out two by two. Verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. One thing you need to learn is to pray scripture. It seems like here he is not asking you to pray for the harvest. He doesn't seem concerned about the harvest because he already says the harvest is plentiful. People want Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. We, t- we spend a lot of time praying for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. But he says, pray f- for us to go out into the field. Pray for each other. It's the workers that are needed. It's pray, f- pray the scripture. And then verse 3 in the NIV, go. I wish I could do my... You know, I probably should have come up and said I'm Melody's husband. That's probably the best description. And, and I don't know Spanish or I can't act, so there's that. So, <laughs> but I love this word go, uh, exclamation point, go. So here's Jesus, go. Oh, oh, and by the way, before I send you, remember, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Just so you know. No big deal. Count the cost. It's going to be dangerous. Is that true today? Oh, and also, by the way, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. And don't even greet anyone along the road. Be focused. Be focused. So the same with this larger group. Do you lack anything? He's sending them out. He even adds in that little lambs among wolves deal. And he says, and don't take anything extra for the walking tour. Did they lack anything? Is Jesus enough? Turn to John 18. No slide for this. Going off the rails currently. (laughs) John 18. This is during the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 3. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. You know, I don't know that I thought about it before I've read this. But as I begin to study this, it really appears like the group of soldiers that came to arrest one man 
was between five and six hundred. One man who had already been among them. What were they worried about? What was the big deal? Jesus, knowing all, there's one of those words, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? It's another one of those questions of Jesus. It has just told us he knows what's happening. But yet he goes and asks, well, who, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. They drew back and fell to the ground. They drew back and fell to the ground. Can you imagine five to six hundred soldiers looking for one man? And when he says the words, I am he, the presence of Jesus. And that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're praying for. The same presence, the presence of Jesus in this moment. When he said those two letter words, I am, it was significant. That was a significant thing. They would have known immediately what he was saying. The Jewish audience knew immediately what Jesus was saying to them. They would have known in the book of Exodus, because those are the only scriptures they had, that when God appeared and talked to Moses, and Moses asked, who shall I say is sending me? And God says, tell them, I am is sending you. And so when Jesus uses those two little words, I am, and he used them frequently, especially in the book of John, you see it, the Jewish audience knew immediately what Jesus was saying. And we see these I am's throughout. And the question remains, is Jesus enough? John 14, 6, Jesus said, and what's interesting about the John 14, 6 passage is it's during the Last Supper. It's right after Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times. The exact same setting as Luke 22, the first passage I talked about. And Jesus is talking to them about a place he's preparing for them. He says, I'm going away and I'm preparing a place for you. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas pops up and says, 
we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. We absolutely don't know the way. And then Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Is Jesus enough? Regardless of what you're going through, we could go around the room and there are challenges. We think Christmas is a wonderful time and it is for some, but it's a challenging time for many. And people are dealing with lots of things, lots of issues, lots of health things, probably financial things. There are lots of things that people are going through. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Is he enough? He also says, I'm the bright and morning star. I'm the child born in the manger. I am Emmanuel. Is he enough? I am the word. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the true vine. Is he enough? I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the root of David. I am the firstborn. I am the Messiah. Is he enough? I am the Prince of Peace. I am the Son of God. I am the Son of Man. I am the Bridegroom. I am the Servant. I am the Chief Cornerstone. Is He enough? I am the Coming One. I am the Creator. I am the Anointed One. I am the Beloved. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Is he enough? I am the Lamb of God. I am the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I am the name that is above every name. I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am the great I am. Is he enough? Is Jesus enough? He says to you, I am today. I don't know what it is you're going through, but if the Spirit of God has convicted you, and that's what that is inside, it's Holy Spirit if the Spirit has convicted you, everybody stand with me. We're going to close. If the Spirit has convicted you, move quickly. I'll go ahead and have the ministry team come. But if there's something on the inside of you going, that's not me. That's nothing for me. But if the Spirit of God is tugging and convicting you and you're realizing that Jesus is enough, move quickly. Maybe you're here as a church person and you're realizing that you're depending on something else. Maybe there's something that you're depending on more than Jesus. There is a time coming when we're going to have to make some choices even in this country. 
And the homes will go, the comfort will go, the jobs will go, the money will go. Is Jesus enough? Or are we going to choose comfort? What will we choose? Because I'm telling you today, in parts of the world, right now, people are making these choices. They're having to decide between Jesus and something else. Is Jesus enough? Let's pray. Father, we look to you. Your invitation is always the same. Come, come, follow me. And that is the invitation today. I'm going to ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you feel the tug, the Spirit of God, I remember that as a young man, you feel that tug in your heart, it might mean that you've never, ever trusted this Jesus who was enough. And you want to do that for the first time. Step out quickly. But maybe you know that if you had a tough decision to make and you've just, you had decided to follow Jesus at some point, but you're depending on something else now. And you know you need to surrender. You need to give him everything. He's asking for everything. He's asking for all of us. Come quickly now. Come quickly now as the Spirit moves. I even felt earlier this morning that there could be some people here that there could be some physical, something happening with you physically. And not that you're sick or not that you have anything happening, but it could be just a trembling in your hands. It could be a numbness. It could be, a, it could be heat. God is trying to move you and touch you in a special way today. I'm believing there's at least one person here, one person in Mount Carmel, one person in Carlinville, one person online at least, that that speaks to. Saying, Steve, something's happening. I don't even know what it is. God's trying to get your attention. Move, move. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.